Hello, everybody, and welcome to North 100, a Canadian Highlander podcast. We're down a member today, but I'm Serge. Joining me, I have a Jer. Hello. A Ben. Hello, yes, I am Wheeler. But no Alex, because poor Alex has a cold. A reminder that North 100 is brought to you by you, with your support at the Patreon over at patreon.com slash loadingreadyrun. Before we jump into our opening segment, I want to give you a heads up that on Saturday, February 2nd, we are going to be having the Highlander year-end event. Uh, so definitely come check that out. There's going to be lots of powerful magic. The North 100 crew is going to be doing some commentary. Minus a Ben who's going to be actually battling. Yeah, so check that out. We'll talk about that a little bit more at the end. But maybe a little bit of a sneak peek as to what you're going to see on that day. Where will that be? Oh, pardon me. Uh, the year end is going to be right here over at twitch.tv slash run. So watch it here. Thank you, Beach. I suppose there could be a disconnect between humans on YouTube and humans on Twitch. So come watch. We'll the, uh, the replay will be on YouTube, though. All right, Ben, tell us about a card you think we're going to see uh, this Saturday. So a little, Or next Saturday, February uh, 2nd. A little sample of what they might see. And my selection for the best card you're not playing is On Crop Crasher. On Crop Crasher is three mana, two and one red, for a 3-2 Minotaur Warrior. Oh, baby. With haste that says you may exert on-crop crasher as it attacks. When you do, target creature can't block this turn. Huh. With exert being, um, I don't know, in it paper magic, untap. you yeah. like take you it, turn it upside down or, or whatever. Some, yeah. some way, basically it just says it doesn't untap during the next, next untap step. And because you're taking that uh, choice, you get some added effect. This one being target creature can't block. So I'm selecting this because this car uh, this card, not a car, although it hits vroom, vroom. like a truck, yeah. <laughs> um, is locally one of the standout cards in aggressive decks. Hmm. Be the mono red, be it black red, uh, gruel, boros, whatever kind of combination. If you are an aggressive deck with access to red, and especially the ones that have multiple mocks in, or Lanoir elves, whatever it may mana be, crypt. mana crypt, some type of acceleration. Eh? <laughs> yeah, this card. It joins the ranks of three drops in aggressive shells. Huh. Um, and it, then, like, it, on paper, it doesn't look that exciting. Like, it looks fine. It looks like something you play in limited. Why has this made uh, an impact in Highlander? So, the floor of just being an easy-to-cast three-power haste creature is pretty good. All right. It's, it's one of these things where you look at it, you see its two toughness, you see that... I mean, yes, it just it's a dummy that hits you, yeah, uh, and it dies to shock, and you kind of find it like, why am I playing this over, I don't know, cards like Fanatic of Xenagos, yeah, uh, you know, a bigger haste creature, or some of the mono red three drops. Uh, Sulfuric Vortex or something. Well, like you three, would, three. There's a lot of really powerful. We're, we're not cards, cutting right? the Vortex. You're not yeah, cutting yeah, the yeah, yeah. But like but, threes, where cards need to have a big effect. Right. There are a lot of red three drops that look really appealing, but ultimately you need to for an aggressive deck. You want to keep that curve low. You want to use all of your spells if possible, and having too many threes can clog up your hand. Um, this card just pushes past that as in a similar fashion as to it pushes past blockers to get through damage. It's like if you just drop this on turn two or turn three and you hit for three, great. That's awesome. It did its job. And then next turn, you play another creature and maybe they've developed a bit of uh, a board presence. Well, you exert. 
And that's pushing through not only an additional three damage from itself, but it's ensuring that your other creatures also get their damage through, yeah. which is huge. It's one of the biggest issues with the red decks is that their creatures get outclassed very quickly, and this helps those creatures continue to be relevant hmm. into the late game. Even if they only get to attack once every two turns, it's still better than them just sitting there and not, not doing being able anything. to attack at all. And you're providing an effect that you don't see on kind of individual cards. Like aggressive decks aren't going to play the cards that say like uh, like falter. So cards that just say opponent's creatures can't block, that kind of stuff. But because it's tacked onto a creature that it's just going to be pushing through damage, um, it also just makes all your burn spells that much better because it turns shocks that you might have to point at creatures on key turns hmm. into just going to the dome. Hmm. And baby, I haven't even started on medium red. <laughs> this one slides right into the mid-range decks, medium right, red, mana right. crypt decks. It's, this card does everything. Interesting. Yeah. Just, I just want to touch on uh, something that Ben said earlier, but a lot of people overlook when they look at cards like this, is the two colorless and the, the mana cost. Something that especially two color red decks really struggle with is the mana. The mana is often really bad in those decks. You don't realize it until you try to build them, but like building, especially Boros or red black, you often want double black onto or double white onto and double red onto. And so having cards like this in your deck that are easy to cast, no matter what, really helps build those decks up. The the most important part about aggro decks, and especially the red aggro decks, is to make sure your cards do a thing. <laughs> Which sounds really kind of Go just on. boring, yeah. but any turn where you don't have the utmost flexibility from your cards is going to lose you points. You are going to decrease your percentage chance to win that game. So if you have like three drops that are, you know, red, red, colorless or whatnot, and you going into turn four, you have a, a hand with two mountains, Mistress Factory and Mutavolt, or Mistress Factory Wasteland, you can't burn their creature and play your three drop, which is huge. It's something yeah, doesn't... I, I get yeah, you there. Yeah, yeah, just the, the pip requirement. Yeah, you want to play your spells. Hmm. This card helps with that. All right, let's introduce today's theme. Today is part two of our Allegiance set review. Uh, last week we did Wooburg, and we got uh, quite a few comments, so thank you everybody who talked to us down there. Uh, shout out to my favorite comment, WTF is the Shadow <laughs> Realm. Uh, I like that one in particular. So just a reminder for our set reviews, this is not exhaustive. We only talk about the cards that we think are relevant to the format, either cards that we think will make a good impact or cards that we think are close enough uh, that we, we'll talk about why we don't love them. Today we're going to be covering multicolor artifacts and lands. I think that's everything. And yeah, let's start with just a couple of cards from Wooburg uh, that people brought up. And let us start with Unbreakable Formation. Uh, this is a three mana instant for two and a white. It says, creatures you control gain indestructible until end of turn. Addendum, if you cast a spell during your main phase, put a plus one plus one counter on each creature. And they also gain vigilance. Jared, tell me about this card. Uh... I actually meant to add this before the set review last week. I mentioned it to Ben right before the episode and forgot to do that. But it got mentioned in the comments, so that's a great, <laughs> great reminder. Uh, I really like this card in go-wide aggro decks and mid-range decks. Uh, they've been printing these this exact mana cost, some variation of creatures you control get indestructible for a while now. 
this is for me is clearly the best one because the other ones you can't use at all proactively. Right. Whereas this one you can use proactively, uh, which just makes it almost twice as flexible. It's in a matchup where you want to have the surprise, all my creatures get indestructible, it's still really great. Uh, but it's also just a pseudo anthem for your team. And yeah. if you're racing, giving your team, like antheming your team, giving those creatures indestructible and vigilance just means you're sending all your creatures into the red zone. P probably creates some tricky blocks for your opponent. If you have any combat tricks, it makes them way better. Uh, it just makes that combat step a nightmare for your opponent, and it's more difficult for them to get you on the crackbacks when you're racing. This card is great in either mode. Either you get to attack in, they make blocks, you make your creatures indestructible, their team dies, or you cast it beforehand, push more damage. So I thought this card was hot garbage when I saw it, and I still am not entirely convinced. I, I am more partial to the Brave the Element effects, but... I think I'm slowly getting convinced that this card is going to kill me, which is usually yes. a good indicator of when something has, you know, flex enough flexibility in the format. Like Jer said, it's not purely reactive. Um, and I'm just terrified of this card with lifelink creatures because that's a huge swing. This oh, card, baby. oh yeah, it's much like in the same case of something like War Leaders Helix where it looks a little unassuming at first glance. But then you but, see that swing. Well, you pair this with, yeah, exactly. You pair this with any lifelink creature, hmm. and that can be a point swing on the crack and the back of, <laughs> of, of like six life, which is huge. All right, let's move to our next card, Ministrant of Obligation. Three mana, two, one, human cleric for two and a white with afterlife two. When this creature dies, you get two, one, one, white and black, creature tokens with flying. Ben? Uh, I think this card's bad. All right. I really don't like it. I don't um, love it either. It, a lot it, of people talked about this in the comments. Why? Well, okay, so again, like we, we mentioned uh, in the last episode, where there are going to be a bunch of these cards that look like they will function in, a, in a, an aristocrat's shell, which, yeah, this is a, a body that makes two more bodies, and the, the tokens that it poops out have flying, and that's great. But the thing is, this doesn't do anything for you. Like, it's not an upgrade to the already present three-drop token makers or uh, value creatures that you'll find in Aristocrats shells. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, it, it doesn't solve any problems that it has. So that's one of my big things when you come to look at new cards, for especially for lists that are so tight, that are so, like, intricately woven like aristocrats, is that this card's not an upgrade and it's not solving any problems the deck has. So why would I play it? Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the next card, Essence Capture. Uh, for blue-blue, you get an instant that says counter target creature spell, put a plus one plus one counter on up to one target creature you control. Jer. Uh, I don't love it. You might play it in like Flying Man or something, but yeah, I don't know. Ben's area of expertise. I wouldn't, <clears throat> but you, in Highlander, you just need your counter spells to be ver versatile answers, and this is not a versatile answer. Like, if you're playing, a, you want you want to play this in a creature deck, and lots of the biggest problems for creature decks are not creatures. Like, they want to wrath you, or they want to play a moat, or they want to play an ensnaring bridge, or they want to play a demonic tutor, and this doesn't stop any of those things. This card is so awkward when the top curve of a lot of decks 
um, involve planeswalkers, or they involve like Armageddon, or Natural Order, anything like that. And you'll be staring at this card and you'll be thinking, oh, why did I add this? Not to mention it's really hard to cast. Yeah. Especially for creature decks, because creature decks are very rarely base blue. Yeah. All right, let's move on to our gold card. It's time for the new section. Thank you again for all of the viewer comments. Those were the three that really caught our eye there. First card we want to talk about, our first gold card is Basilica Bell Haunt. For a white, white, black, black, you get a 3-4 spirit. When it enters the battlefield, each opponent loses a card, <coughs> and you gain three life. And my so, stomach just moved. It was just like, hey, what's up? Oh, it's okay. I understand. This is a lot of value to take all at once. So, do you like this card? I do, and I, I really wish I knew why, because this is so not my type of card. It really isn't. I was yeah. like, sure, you put this on, and it wasn't me. Yeah, I, I mean, and I don't I don't even know if you like this card. I don't like this card. I actually like it Why, why do you like this card? I just want a recurring nightmare, the ever-loving... Yeah, but... Bejeebus out of people, and this is a good thing to recurring nightmare. The, but versus what was what was the old uh, the old Abzan one Siege Rhino Siege Rhino like would you ever put this in over Siege Rhino? Well, uh, you play it with it. I imagine I mean, if you're if you have green. if you're just black white, you play this over Siege Rhino. <laughs> all right, <laughs> I've, I've played just black white. You're not always Abzan. All right, all right. But it, it, it it is very hard to cast, which is its biggest downside. If it was like white black two, I yeah. think I would actually. Play it at at this cost. I don't think I'm actually going to play it. But. So so like it's worth mentioning though that if you were to play this in a three color deck, because already the mana cost is the biggest issue yeah. with this and yeah. with this entire series, these cards come with a real cost yeah. that you might not be able to do this uh, on four every single time. Yes. But if there's a third color that will help enable that, it's going to be green. Yes. Um, so. Instead of playing this over Siege Rhino, assuming you can cast both of them, play it with Siege Rhino <laughs> and not run into any kind of issues, or hopefully not run into as many issues, be it, uh, I don't know, Wooded Bastion saving the day when you just have like a, sure. a basic forest or whatever it may be. Yeah, um, or, or like you have like Noble Hierarch, Birds of Paradise, Elves of Deep Shadow, and Avacyn's Pilgrim that all help cast it and presumably yeah. get into the same deck. All right, all right. I, I wouldn't have played this, but I'm glad we talked about oh, it. Oh, I might go a year or two before without it gets <laughs> before I, yeah, sleeve it. All right, well, let's talk about... Oh, and uh, for those of you who are curious, it, the order of today's gold cards have been arranged lovingly by Wheeler uh, in order of guild. Uh, so if you're trying to figure out the system that we're using today for organization, now you have it. So speaking of Orzov cards that I think we'll see play, we'll see if my co-hosts agree, Ethereal Absolution, the card identified by LSV as being the single strongest card in Limited right now. Six mana gets you an enchantment for four, a white, and a black. <clears throat> Creatures you control get plus one, plus one. Creatures your opponent control get minus one, minus one. And for two, a white and a black, exile target card from an opponent's graveyard. If it was a creature, you get a 1-1 one, one white and black spirit token with flying. Jer. I don't think it's good enough. Uh, really? It can potentially take over a really long game. But I think there's just like better things you can do on six. Mind if I uh, do a little roll slop here? All right. All right. All right. Yeah, 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 surge. Yeah. Why do you think this is playable? And where? Yeah, so I'm thinking, 
You're right, what would I play this over? And typically six drop in a big deck like this, I'd be playing Staff of Nin, or one of the artifacts that draws you cards. It's generating an advantage. Or like Elspeth's Sun's Champion. El yeah, or, or even Sun Titan, if you're looking to generate card advantage. And now you don't know where I stand on this currently. Correct, I don't know where you stand on this. I would want to give this a try, in like white-black control or a big white-black deck, but it's going to be hard to play <clears throat> over one of the card-drawing six drops. I think this card might be fine in Abzan Enchantress. It's pretty good with Humilities. It's getting to six in a deck with Utopia Sprawls, Trace of Abundance, Fertile Ground, oh, uh, Humility in this? Like, it's th a win con! It flies over their moat, your moat! Mm -hmm. I'm also, I mean, people are probably sick of hearing, like, this card's good because your things get bigger, their things get smaller. Well, it's I mean, yeah. it's not just a one stat change, but, I mean, that's that's it. It's it, This card is brutal if you've had to play it against Limited, my condolences. Um, yeah. and it's yeah. expensive, but I think it's good enough in a deck that can justify playing some pretty weird cards. The hard thing about this is if you're playing against not a creature deck... Yeah. This card does nothing. It doesn't. Well, it, it's six mana and not graveyard. And and <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you might be able to exile the occasional card out of their graveyard. But the issue with this is, if they don't have creatures, it doesn't generate you any creatures to win. If you're the enchantress deck, you don't care about your creatures because your enchantresses do nothing. But if you're the if you're an Abzan enchantress deck, realistically, how often are you going to feel favored in a matchup against blue decks? So, like... Tough but fair. And, and I think the exile part is actually quite relevant. Before or after Chains of Mephistopheles so, results. <laughs> okay, well... <laughs> bust out the spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, we'll follow this path. Alright, so... Opinions are mixed, leaning towards negative. Next up, we have Final Payment. A white and a black instant. Final Payment is a white and a black instant. Mm -hmm. As an additional cost, pay five life or sack a creature, destroy target creature. Or enchantment. You can also sack an enchantment. <laughs> I didn't even see I that. Me neither. I never <laughs> I read those two words. I played against this card all weekend. You can sack an enchantment. Yeah. Why? <laughs> if you want to. Huh. Uh, cool. I literally <laughs> cool. never saw that. Cool. Yeah. Joe, what do you think about this? Uh, the the a lot of people asking about final payment are thinking about aristocrats. Isn't this great? It's another sack outlet. Negative. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of hard to cast. You'd rather not sack a creature even in aristocrats you'd rather like just kill their thing and use one of your onboard repeatable sack outlets to sack your things when you want to yeah like one shot sack outlets and aristocrats are not as valuable as people think they are you you like you really only want to start sacking your things when you have enough you're going to have enough blood artist triggers to kill them otherwise you always want your things in play just making the removal spells look super goofy yeah all right, fair enough. Next up, let's move on to the Imperious Oligarch. Two mana, two one for a white and a black gets you a human cleric with vigilance and afterlife one. Wheeler. Uh, I mean, we've seen so many of these cards in this set and in the history of Magic. And actually, Jeremy and I were talking about this exact style of card before we started recording, where you just you would just rather have stuff like Butcher School. Yep. Yeah, like, I don't... Another card we forgot to really touch on is basically the other version of this card. The one the, to death touch. Yeah, Orzhov that and also Forcer. Has, that also has Afterlife. Yeah. yeah. 
But I think you could actually just group them together when talking about this card to say, th again, this isn't what Aristocrats is looking for. Sure. These cards aren't upgrades to what you already have for things that replace themselves. Now, a 1-2 flyer, you know, whether or not that's better than a 2-1 Vigilance, it probably is. 1-2 one, one Death Touch. <laughs> Or sorry, sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, one one flyer. I'm uh, this card sure. in particular, but even for the Death Toucher one, it's for like what it's, for what it's worth. I think this one's the best one. Really? Yeah. I think I'd rather play Enforcer. If I if somebody forced me, <laughs> pun not intended, to play one of the two, I would rather play Enforcer. But ultimately, I rather just play neither. Just yeah. I mean, I'm a little biased. I like a good boar, but uh, I rather just have Brindle Shoat. You All know? Right. All right. MVP. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to a card that Jer can't escape. Kaya Orzov Usurper. This is the this is the uh, Planeswalker. This is a new Kaya, which is very exciting. So for three mana, for one, a white and a black, you get a three loyalty Kaya Planeswalker. Kaya or Kaya? Kaya. Yeah. Does she have a lightsaber dagger? Yeah, oh. well, yeah, that's her ghost-killing blade. All right, don't even worry about it. Plus one, exile up to two cards from a single graveyard. You gain two life if at least one of them was a creature. Minus one, exile target non-land permanent with CMC one or less. Minus five, Kaya deals damage to target player equal to the number of cards that player owns in exile, and you gain that much life. Jerry, you've opened five of these so far. You must have strong opinions. <laughs> sure have. <laughs> and then I opened one in Arena. How? I thought you opened three in How did you do that? Uh, well... I opened one in my first two sealed events, then I opened two in Two-Headed Giant, <laughs> having played none of them so far, still didn't play any, and then I went home, and my girlfriend opened ten of my packs, and the last <laughs> pack had Kaya number five. <laughs> the look on your face and Jordan's face, because I sat next to you guys opening your 2HG pool, when you opened the Kaya, and Jordan opened the Kaya, oh. So it must feel good. Uh, You've opened all of these mythic planeswalkers. What are your thoughts? I don't think she's she's playable in limited or Highlander personally. But I some some people whose opinions Ooh. I respect, including somebody on the other end of this table, seems to think they are playable. Uh, I'll give you someone else's reasoning who I've talked to. So their reasoning is that the plus one or the minus one is going to be good almost every time. Like either there's going to be like cheap artifacts or creatures to exile or and or the deck will care about the graveyard and so eventually it's just a threat that's gonna speed up your clock uh i personally don't think it does enough while it's in play to merit inclusion but i'll, I'll ship it over to ben ben how do you feel about this card about i mean that's that's pretty i actually like this card um i in, started in what <clears throat> deck versus which deck uh so where does this have a home? If I were to slot this into yeah. an individual deck, I would probably look to three potential archetypes. Okay. One of them would be, I guess, four. Uh, the uh, or not Orzov, Mardu or Four Color Blood are the two big ones out in front. Um, again, three mana Planeswalkers are super hard to evaluate. I think this card. Uh, unless they're like absolutely busted, like Liliana the Last Hope. Uh, I think this card is kind of in this line of Ashiok and the three mana Duretti, where their abilities seem kind of underwhelming and there will be points in which they don't do Maybe, anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, but 
Kaya's a little more flexible, in my opinion. She trades the, like, blowout potential that Doretti and Ashiok have um, with just being a lot more medium uh, to medium good, in that Exiling Cards is always relevant. Every single deck in this format uses the graveyard, save maybe Death medium and Taxes. Red. Or Medium Red. <laughs> yeah. So if you're looking for a heavy D and T, I wouldn't sleeve this up for the year end because that's all it's going to be. But we'll get to that later. But uh, there are very few decks in which the the plus one ability is not relevant. The minus one ability, people see and they're like, oh, it only hits one or less and non land. Why am I doing this? But like being able to kill off uh, mana dorks that Moxin people and Moxin, people that cards that people plot their whole turns and future turns around. Uh, getting something... Yeah, but like, three mana Planeswalker kill your Arbor Elf isn't exactly the spiciest turn in Magic, right? No, no, it's it's not, But and I think that's why there's such a conflicting opinion on this card, is because it just happens to be a Planeswalker, but it's not a, like, uh, clickbaity Planeswalker. Like, it's not like, 10 out of 10, Kaya will ruin it, or like, oh, this card is hot top garbage, top unplayable. Kaya is going to break standards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. or, so I think the reason I don't like it is because her minus one is typically going after mana-producing things. That, and Those times you get that bone splitter, though. And <laughs> uh -huh. Relevant. Like, yeah, she hits Skull Clamp. That's good. Relevant. Aether but, Vial. But if you hit, if you're trying to hit a mana-producing thing, they've already had it in play for, like, one to two turns so they've already got value out of it they're probably already other things are on board so like i just don't know how often you're going to be able to play or trade with a dork and then die to the thing that the dork powered out she, she and then like i don't i just don't know if you're ever happy with that scenario we're, we are gonna have to move on from this though we can't spend too much time talking about kaya oh i'll spend i know i know i know we could talk about it forever Look forward for the kaya specific yeah episode. yeah yeah we'll come up with episode 61 will be kaya all right speaking of kaya next up we have kaya's wrath four mana sorcery white white black black wrath but you also gain life equal to number of creatures you control that were destroyed this way i'll throw it to jer again uh people don't really play day of judgment anymore I think I'd almost always play Day of Judgment over this because it's much easier to cast. All right. Next up, we have Mortify. Three mana instant for one, a white, and a black. Destroy target creature or enchantment. Ben. Mortify doesn't see a huge amount of play in our format. That might mostly be about the color restriction that it presents. Um, and because the third... Rarely are you going to see just a white-black deck. And the white-black decks that you do see don't necessarily want to commit to a three-mana removal spell. Um, so if they are adding their third color, <clears throat> then they get access to blue, and then you're just rather going to dedicate this slot to counterspells or the strong white-black removal. You add red, you get Colgan's Command, a Braid, yeah. all that. Green, you get Abrupt Decays. So. I actually think the bigger issue is that, like, if you're playing white-black, you'd rather just play, like, Council's Judgment, Vindicate, Anguish-Dunmaking, the things that just right. kill anything. Or even Oblivion Ring. Uh, I don't think it's comparable I, to Oblivion. I'm, I'm not, I, over Oblivion I'm not super hot on Beach. any of those type of cards, frankly. This card has a lot of different artwork because it's from a lot of different sets. Yeah. Yes. Speaking as the guy who knows nothing about this. So in Highlander, can you play multiple copies of this from multiple sets? No. It's all okay. It's all based on the name of the card. Cool, thank yeah. you. Mortify was printed multiple times, but they're all still Mortify. Okay. Yeah, nice check though. All right, let's move on. Next up, we have the poor Pitiless Pontiff. Poor little buddy. You get a 2-2 two, two 
vampire cleric for a white and a black. Pay one and sack another creature. It gains death touch and indestructible. Wheeler. Best art in the set. That is my hard call on this card. All right. Card. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, the application on this card, people see a two-drop uh, sack outlet, but, like, if you are going to have a sack outlet where you actually have to pay mana to sacrifice creatures, which I would just recommend not having that, yeah. then you can turn to Eilie, She's uh, the, floor. the Pilgrim. That's the, the worst one you can play. Yeah. Yeah. So right. I And she's way better than this. Great art, though. Just great art. Uh, next up, we have Seraph of the Scales. Four-man angel for two and a white and a black. You get a 4-3 with flying. Activated ability for white gains vigilance until end of turn. Pay a black gains death touch until end of turn. And afterlife, too. So if it dies, you get two 1-1 one, one flying spirit tokens. Jer. I actually don't think this card's good enough. Yeah. Uh, I think that... There's a lot of exile removal in the format, uh, and that makes it look kind of silly. Gets outclassed by a bunch of the flyers that already get played. Like a bunch of the flyers are are five fives. Um, it doesn't like I don't think the two abilities are super relevant. The vigilance is sometimes relevant. I guess if there's bigger flyers, death touch might be relevant. But a bunch of the bigger flyers have first strike or other good abilities. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really see it. But fair enough. And I think this is the last Orzhov card. I'm not entirely sure, but I'm going to go with yes. We have Tesa Karlov. That one's also Orzhov? Yeah. Second last Orzhov card. Uh, Tesa <coughs> gets you a 4-mana 2-4 Legendary Human Advisor for 2, a white, and a black. If a creature dying causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control, you get two of those. Or you get an additional one, pardon me. Creature tokens you control also have Vigilance and Lifelink. Ben. Uh, I'm probably higher on this card initially than other people that have played Aristocrats. Um, for tough, it is a legendary creature that technically doesn't do something as soon as it hits the battlefield. Uh, but... I think you can give it, it does something. Yeah, yeah, it, it will have something. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> being for toughness is great. Yep. Uh, the again, vigilance and lifelink really makes uh, trading like trading against aristocrats was already hard. Trying to race them just because their burst damage is so unpredictable, and can go from zero to a hundred uh, by just drawing any like two drop card from their deck, which is kind of awkward. Like, oh, you're dead now. You're yeah, it's like what? oh, haha, oops, blood artist. <laughs> um, and so like I, I like the the stats, the fact that she plays around Caracas, and the ability being relevant. Um, and that deck can get to four. The downside is that I don't know how necessary this is. Yeah, this it does, feels win more. It does upgrade. So, like, one of the reasons why I'm willing to give this a consideration is that it's providing something the deck hasn't had before with good enough stats, and it can be seen... I see it as an upgrade to some of the four drops that you could play, at least when it comes from a synergy perspective, but not from raw stats but so like this card well, no, yeah. well i was just going to say like this card seems more like an aristocrats card than something like garrick wildspeaker yeah but garrick wildspeaker is just a better overall card yeah my, my issue with this card is something you were touching on earlier is that i don't think it helps the problem that aristocrats has hmm. like this is a card that helps you grind better against mid-range aggro and control and that's that's the aristocrats bread and butter it's like yeah. aristocrats needs more disruption for combo that's yeah. like 
basically it. Yeah, my assessment is I would want to try it out, but if you asked me in six months, I was like, oh no, yeah, that card got cut week one. Like, don't be too shocked. Yeah. yeah. This will win you games where you didn't quite have enough, but... So when you play, <laughs> yeah, but if you play, if you play a hundred games, is it going to help you edge out that many games? I think that's sort of, I think that's sort of where we come as a team. Is yeah. it's going to, it's going to be good, but in the long run, will it do enough? It, it definitely work. does things. Yeah. All right. Let's go now to our last Orzov card question mark. Yes. Uh, we have Revival Revenge. <laughs> All right. Revival is a two-mana sorcery for Orzov Hybrid, Orzov Hybrid. Return target creature card with CMC three or less from your graveyard to play. Or Revenge, six-mana sorcery for four, a white, and a black. Double your life total. Target opponent loses half their life. Rounded up. Jer. This is almost not a split card. It's basically just Revival, which is another honor. <laughs> Revenge? It's... it's... It's kind of playable because you can play it in just a white deck, which is kind of exciting. Mm -hmm. Like, that's definitely something that white-green midrange, an effect that white-green midrange would be looking for. Like, your twos and threes in that deck are so good, that and getting lots of them have ETBs, so getting to rebuy them is huge. Even white-blue. Yeah. Like, now that I'm thinking about it, being able sure. to return everything from Vendelian Click to... Well, yeah, and, like, we were playing Ojatai's Command and Jeskai for quite a bit, and, mm -hmm. like... Anytime, like we'd we'd come and talk to each other, like, oh, have you used the return creature mode on Ojatai's command yet? Oh. We're just like going off on stories about that. You just remind me of a good future powerful magic story, but please continue. <laughs> there you go. See, yeah. yeah, it's just just revival. If you're casting revenge, it's either going very poorly or very well, and it likely won't matter either way. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our first Raktos card, Bee Devil. Probably one of the spicier cards. Instant for black, black, and a red. Destroy target artifact, <clears throat> creature, or planeswalker. Yes, you are Wheeler. I don't know how necessary this card is for decks that are able to muster up the mana to cast this. Uh, it's it's very... Uh, the flexibility is there, for yeah. sure. But if you ask Grixis pilots or Jund pilots, do you struggle with killing artifacts, creatures, or planeswalkers? They'll probably say no. I mean, um, planeswalkers sometimes. Yeah, pla planeswalkers can be an issue for the the more uh, controlling kind of shells, uh, mm -hmm. the the blue ones. Um, so I, I don't want to count this card out. I will definitely be playing with it because I mean, great art. Uh, uh, this is my pick for best art in the set. Really, I love this art. Going after the Canadian boy, uh, Seb McKinnon there. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I'm a hunter, <clears throat> sue me. But. Um, yeah, like it's it's it. There's a lot to it, so I wouldn't discount it. I don't know how into it I am right now, but ask me after I've lost to it a couple of times. All right. Uh, next up, Fireblade Artist, two mana, two two for red and a black, or black and a red technically gets you a human shaman with haste. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may sack a creature. When you do, it deals two damage to an opponent or a planeswalker. Jer, better ship this one to Ben. I think this card is this card is so scary to me. Like, being able to also just, <laughs> the, the era where you're shipping aggressive cards to me feels really awkward. It is. It uh, is <laughs> what timeline are we in? Uh, so this, like, being a two-drop 2-2 two -two with haste, as, as, like, minimal as it sounds, this type of effect has seen play in our format. Yep. Just being a, you know, a two-drop with haste. Great. Um, like Ashes Elite. Yeah, exactly. 
um, Rip Clan Crasher, like literally just two mana, two, two haste. So that is fine. That's great. Uh, and then this ability providing reach, um, being able to clock out Planeswalkers if you need to, uh, going around creatures that might act as road bumps, uh, big life linkers, whatever it may be. I, I mean, when they attack, you're a little bit, that's a different story. But, um, and also being able to sacrifice itself. So if you play this, hit for two, and you're like, well, my creature's outclassed. Doesn't do anything. Time to go to upstairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've paid two mana to deal four damage, and that's pretty all right in my books. Yeah. My only downside with this card is it's Rakdos. Mm. That's it. Would you want it to be Gruel? Well, I mean, flavor-wise, Rakdos makes 100%. Yeah. But, like, if it w if this card were Gruel, I think people would be putting this in, like, top five cards of this. I agree. Interesting. All right, next up, we have the Hacrobat, uh, which is hard to say. Uh, three mana, white and Rakdos, gets you a 2-3 human rogue, <coughs> but it has Spectacle, so if you've done damage, you can cast it for just a black and a red. Pay a black... Uh, gains death touch until end of turn, pay a red, and it becomes a 4-1 until end of turn. I'll just throw this one to Ben. So, again... <laughs> uh-huh. Go on. Uh, <laughs> so... Assuming I've, I've, you get spectacle every turn. Yeah, I've always <laughs> kind of pushed Rakdos as, why would you do this? And I've spoken a lot with, uh, with the Red Pilots locally. Um, like, who all in their heart of hearts, want Rakdos to be a thing that they can realistically sleeve up at the like the highest level of competition yeah. that we have. Yeah, get but rid it, of the beef of green and add some of the disruption to black. Yeah, but why would you want to do that? And I think... Does uh, this card get you there? Allegiant, well, this it, not this card by itself, but I think this card adds on to a series of cards that you'll see from this set and that hopefully we'll see moving forward to give some, like... To add to a tricky, a trickier element. So one of the things that Gruel Aggro can get away with is that their creatures are a bit bigger. So it's more uh, like a Tarmog their Tarmogoyce, right, can trade with other threats mid-range decks are developing. But they also get pump spells. So like they can, it's so scary when a Gruel deck just attacks and they haven't tapped any mana because there's going to be a million colossal mites coming. Yeah. So providing something with this where you ha add that element of unpredictability as well as, I'm going to call this a two-drop, a good two-drop, I think is worth, you know, giving it a shot. Hmm. All right. Uh, next up, we have Judith, the Scourge Diva. Mm. Three mana, two, two, legendary human shaman for one and Rakdos. Other creatures you control get plus one, plus oh. Whenever a non-token creature, so relevant non-token creature control dies... Judith will deal one damage to any target. Jer. This is the Aristocrats card yeah. everyone should be talking about. Yeah. This card is slam dunk, auto-include in every Aristocrats deck that can cast her, which is everyone except Abzan, and then you should just splash red for this and Goblin Bombardment. <laughs> yeah. uh, this card is great. She makes your derpy creatures better at attacking, which is everything you want in that deck. You just want to be able to ship your whole team every turn anyways. Uh, she's a blood artist for, like, most of your creatures. Like, doesn't get the tokens on the, the way back, but she still pumps the tokens. That's great. The only downside is she's only a 2-2, and she's going to die to the first everything. removal spell your opponent's draw every single time. Uh, but you're still going to win a lot of games with her. Nice. All right, next up, we have the Rakdos Firewheeler. Ha-ha. <laughs> uh, 
So for a black, black, red, red, you get a 4-3 Human Rogue Wheeler. When it enters the battlefield, deal 2 damage to target opponent and 2 damage to up to 1 target creature or Planeswalker. Ben. It pains me to say that I don't know if this card is actually playable in it's our not. format. Um, but it's a not a better FTK? No. no but it's just worth bringing up the question because that okay. would be a comparison, right? Yeah. I mean, it was added to our list not just for the name, but also because people were speaking on this. Um, I don't think it's as bad as some people are kind of labeling it as. It's just, what deck does this get into? Recurring um, Nightmare. Red, oh. Yeah, Red Black Midrange with Recurring Nightmare. I've played it. It happened. Yeah, but we, we've played everything. <laughs> like, this card, I, I just am not convinced that this card beats out the other four drops that you would slot to get rid of something in the way. Because this only gets rid of a... Small I mean, thing. Yeah, killing off a Planeswalker is really nice. But again, Black-Red isn't struggling for cards to get rid of Planeswalkers. Like, like for example, last night my opponent had a Scavenging Use, which was a 4-4, and they were tapped out, and a Wooly Thoktar in play. And I got to play Flame Tongue Kavu, kill the Scavenging Use, and then trade with the Wooly Thoktar. And this card does not do that. All right. All right. <laughs> Then let's move on. Uh, speaking of big Rakdos cards, how about we talk about Rakdos themselves, the showstopper. Six mana, six, six, for four, a black and a red, gets you a legendary demon, flying trample, and when it enters a battlefield, flip a coin for each creature that isn't a demon, devil, or imp. Notable, somebody actually sided in an imp against me to play against my Rakdos. Destroy each creature uh -huh. whose flex. coin flip comes up <laughs> tails. Jer. Uh... Rakdos, I guess you recurring could, nightmare. You play this? No, I guess you could play this in like big red black, which is a deck. You would probably play it in that deck. I don't think you would play it in any other deck. All right. <laughs> Let's talk about theater of horrors. Three mana enchantment. Oh, pardon me, Beach. Uh, let me see what I could do off the top of my head. At the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card off your library. Spectacle, if an opponent has lost life this turn... It doesn't say spectacle. Damn. <laughs> During your turn, if an opponent lost life this turn, you may play cards exiled in the Theater of Horrors. For three and a red, Theater of Horror deals one damage to any opponent or Planeswalker. That's pretty close. Uh, ben, what do you think of Theater of Horrors? Uh, it's a very powerful effect. Uh, being able to provide the reach through the pinging is great. Being able to play any cards, so this is lands... Um, and it's all, it's not just for the turn in which you exile them, so it's not like an outpost siege effect. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's more akin to like a Phyrexian Arena, except it's easier to cast, uh, the cards aren't in your hand and susceptible to discard, and the only downside is that you have to, in your Rakdos deck, deal damage to your opponent during your turn, and I think, and if you can't, for whatever reason you can't, you can always ping them. Or a Planeswalker. Why does this say or a Planeswalker? I don't know. I think this card's really spicy. This card's great. I think this card's really good. Yeah. All right. Well, then let us move on now to Gruul. And to start things off, let's talk about an interesting enchantment called Cinder Vines. Oh. So for a red and a green, you get, you get an enchantment that says, Make Target Wheeler leave the podcast. Whenever an opponent casts a non-creature spell, Cinder Vine deals one damage to that player. Pay one and sack it, destroy target artifact or enchantment, and just because we're mean, Cindervine will also deal two damage to that permanent controller. Jer. Yep, I'll take this one. Uh, this card's very good. If you're ever considering playing Destructive Reverie again, don't instead play this card. 
Uh, it's going to sit there and play. It's going to win you games versus blue decks. Uh, just with the first ability alone, they're eventually going to spell themselves out of the game. Just like <clears throat> Highlander decks have, like, there are many decks that just try to cast as many, like, Xerox-style decks to try to cast as many cantrips as possible, and this just punishes that style of effect very appropriately. Uh, not to mention, it gives you good combo protection, uh, being able to blow up artifacts or enchantments. Uh, yeah, this, this card's great. If you ever play against Ben, just mulligan for this card, you'll probably win. I, I want to address the play design team, because Knight of Autumn, I understand. You, it's a great card, it's fun, it's flexible. I didn't take, and I apologized for whatever I did. If I hurt you guys in any way, <laughs> shape, or form, I, I don't, please stop. Please, I have a family. All right. Uh, Next up, we have another Planeswalker. Let's introduce our new Domri, the Chaos Bringer. Four mana gets you a five loyalty Domri Planeswalker, plus one at a red or green. If that mana is spent on a creature spell, it gains Riot. Minus three, look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal up to two creature cards. Uh, from amongst them, put them into your hand, put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order, and minus eight, you get an emblem with, at the beginning of each <coughs> end step, get a 4-4 four, four red and green beast token with trample. Jer. This card's very good. I like it. Uh, it's good in mid-range decks. It's probably good enough for hoof as well, I think. Uh, it makes mana. Gets you card advantage. It's ultimate wins you the game. Uh, I really like it. I think Riot is easily the best keyword, new keyword ability for Highlander. Just the threat of all, like, this and Rhythm of the Wild, just giving the threat of every creature in your deck having haste just pivots the game into such a different place in so many matchups. It's so... People don't realize how how big a deal that is. Yeah. And, yeah. Next up, we have the Gruel Spellbreaker. <laughs> three mana uh, for one red and a green gets you a 3-3 three, three Ogre Warrior with Riot. Also has Trample, and as long as it's your turn, you and Gruel Spellbreaker have Hexproof. Ben. Me Gruel, me Smash. Mm. Uh, big Fist, go fast, no settle wreckage on me. Smash. Smash. Uh, die, die, smash. Trample. Big, big boy, trample. Quite right. good. Quite good. All right. Well, then next up we have Nikia of the Old Ways. Oh, yeah. Five mana, five, five. Three, a red and a green gets you a legendary centaur druid. You can't cast non-creature spells. However, whenever you <laughs> tap a land for mana, add one mana of any type that land produced. Jer. It was so close. Uh, heartbeat decks almost exclusively want to cast non-creature spells, and for that reason, this one's a no from me, dog. It's only a one-sided heartbeat, though. It doesn't help your opponent. Yeah, but... Palancron's like, a creature. There's only so many creatures you want to cast with heartbeat in play. Great whales and a creature. And then you need to build your deck in such a fashion that that's good. Yeah. Got it's, it's like, this card's a 5-5 five, five for 5, so maybe if, if you're just, like, in, like, Red green ramp with like Eldrazi and stuff. Then Perfect. maybe it's good enough in that deck. I've played that deck a bunch. Sure, maybe, maybe it's good enough in that deck. I don't Zakama. think so. Zakama. Right. You still want to play a bunch of. Oh, Zakama. Zakama. 
So you know you're on my side. No, he's not. Oh. <laughs> Zakama. You had me at Zakama, but only Zakama. Next up, we have the Ravager Worm. Five mana, six mana for three red, green, green gets you a four or five worm with Riot. When it enters the battlefield, you also get to choose one of the following. Fight target creature you don't control. Destroy target land with an activated ability that isn't a mana ability. I kind of wish it just stopped at destroy target <coughs> land. Uh, Jerry, you added this. Tell me about this card. Uh, I really like this card. It's got a lot of flexibility. Uh, it's basically got four modes because Riot has two modes and then it has two other modes. So it's just so so flexible when you want to destroy the land. It's going to be a big deal. But it doesn't destroy Academy or Caracas. Yeah, but it destroys Maze of Ith and a flipped search for Ascanta. It, it does destroy Caracas. Yes. Caracas has returned. Right, right, right. Sorry. <clears throat> it just doesn't destroy... It doesn't destroy... This doesn't really care about Caracas, Academy or, or Cradle. It does destroy Monomo and Deserted Temple, which yeah. can cause Academy decks to really pop destroy, off. Right. Destroy right, right. Interspair. So it does enough? I, I think so. It's another thing that comes in with Haste as well. Just a big doofus. All right. Uh, if there's a problem creature, it probably kills it. Well, let's talk about a card that we've already mentioned a couple times. Rhythm of the Wild. Three mana enchantment for one red and a green. Creature spells you control can't be countered. Non-token creatures you control have riot. Ben. I'm not actually very high on this card. Um, fires the Avimaya. This is better than Fires. Yeah. But Fires doesn't see any play. Correct. And in red-green decks, be them aggressive or mid-range, or even, even something like Hoof, going as high as Hoof. I would just rather spend this mana playing, oh, I don't know, an on-crop crasher. Sure. Or playing... Rule See, this Rule was This was my thought on this card as well, was does does it do enough to give up your third turn? Obviously, there's a lot of words on there which are great, but does an aggressive deck want to take turn three off to play this? Jer, your thoughts? I like this more than Ben, but not as much as some people. I think this is a meta card. If mm. you have a bunch of blue decks running around in your meta, I think you can play this in like a Planeswalker-esque slot. Because lots of times if this resolves against a blue deck, they just lose. Hmm. But They're gonna die. As a Gruul deck, are you struggling? How often do you find yourself struggling against blue decks? Like I, they... I think Gruul versus blue midrange is like very close. I don't think Gruul is that really? favored. Like Gruul versus Jeskai, I think Jeskai's favored. I think Jeskai's favored in most things, but... <laughs> well, exactly. But if they play this, Jeskai is less favored than they were before this resolved. Mm. All right. Moving on, we have the Sunder Shaman. Sunder Shaman is a 4-mana 5-5, five, five, except that 4-mana costs you red, red, green, green. You get a giant Shaman, just, just a big old boy. Sunder Shaman can't be blocked by more than one creature. When it deals combat damage to a player, destroy target artifact or enchantment they control. Jer. Uh, I think this card needed evasion. It doesn't have evasion. I don't foresee casting this card. Ben. That's a giant shaman. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Moving on, we have the Zerta Goblin. It's a giant shaman. It's a giant shaman. 2-2 two, two with Riot. Yeah. yeah. This is a red-green 2-2 two, two with Riot. That's also a goblin. Mm -hmm. uh, Jer. This card's great. Play it in all your aggro decks. It has Riot. Riveting. That awesome. It's <laughs> great. Uh, now, our last Gruul card, we have Collision Hoo Hoo Colossus. 
Collision, it is an instant, deals six damage to target creature with flying for one and a green-red hybrid. And Colossus costs you a red and a green for an instant. Target creature gets plus four, plus two, and trample until end of turn. Who am I throwing to? Jer. <laughs> I feel like I've got, like, the last four. Ben. But, uh, I, I mean, I could have taken a, a step off of Gruel. This That's guild true. is quite hateful towards me. But... I think, I think this is another card that should rightfully be close to, like, the top five cards of the set. But people won't talk about it just because it's so, like... It's, it's Yeah, it's, it's kind of I'm going to die to this card a lot. But it's so good. I'm going I'm to die so many times Colossal Might is a card that players will, like... They won't think about it, but they sure as hell immediately respect it after they get killed by it. And being able to have main deck anti-flying yeah. that is... Uh, red or green, like like oh, so that's easy a, to cast. That's a lovely Bane Slayer Angel you have, or a Thundermaw Helm. Yeah. Like, if you slam a Consecrated Sphinx against Gruul, the last thing you think they're gonna do is kill it. Yeah, oh especially my God, before right? you get to draw For cards two, at, at instant speed. So when your Gruul aggro opponent is like upkeep after you tapped out six for your Consecrated Sphinx. And just smash it out of the air. Wow. It's almost as bad as the time Ben got its swords against Pod. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm All right. <laughs> Let's move on to Simic. Our first Simic card we're going to talk about is the Frilled Mystic. Green, green, blue, blue. Gets you a 3-2 Elf Lizard Wizard. Mm -hmm. It has flash. And when it enters a battlefield, you may counter target spell. Jer. Uh, this is harder to cast than Mystic Snake, and Mystic Snake doesn't really see play. Not worth it for the extra one power. All right. Next up, we have Grow. It's a wizard. I think, okay, not not too much, but I do think that card is a bit better than Mystic Snake. Okay. And being a wizard is a relevant creature type for the decks that would... I guess, I guess if you're planning to Riptide lock people, it is oh, you relevant. Better, you better believe your buttons. <laughs> I'm looking to Riptide lock people. All with right, this watch out for green-blue wizards coming from a wheeler near you. Oh, it's probably five-color wizards. And you're gonna play a green, green, blue, blue don't card and put five me color wizard. Five color. If, All right. Fine. If anything, it'll be four. White. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, I'll splash your mind sensor. Exactly. Growth. It's free. Spiral. Two mana instant for a green and a blue. Draw a card. You may put a land from your hand onto the battlefield. Ben. Card's great. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's an explorer that can be pitched to force of will. No meme. Uh, and it's an instant. You get to keep up counter spells in your counter spell deck. I think and it's if they don't really do good. anything, you explore. Yep. It's great. Great. Uh, Geyer Engineer. Next up. Three mana, one, one. For one, a green, and a blue. For a Vidalcan Wizard, tap and add green, blue. I'm going to throw it to Ben here because he added this one. So there is a... You don't see it as much, but I really do think there's a meta call to be made whenever you're playing uh, Hypermana decks. Be them Cradle Hoof decks, be them any kind of deck that will play a Gaia's Cradle. Uh, and that's... You ask yourself how many Fork Bolts are kicking around. Because there is enough three drops that add two mana that let you get to six real quick. For a while, actually, that was the default Cradle Hoof build that I was playing. Once the deck picked up some more popularity and people were kind of prepared for it and they, you know, they were expecting, they, they kind of plotted out the turns in which the deck would usually go off or sure. take off. And so being able to race against combo decks uh, in your Hypermana Elf decks or whatever it may be is very important. And blue-green actually has three different versions of this, hmm. with this one being 
probably the best because it's not just adding colorless or whatever it may be, but you are up to enough that that deck can reliably go turn one dork, turn two the two mana dork, turn three, pick six your mana. six drop. Interesting. Cool. Uh, next up, we have Hydroid Hydroid Crisis. Got there, kind of. X Green Blue gets you a zero zero Jellyfish Hydro Beast. I like saying that, and the art is a balloon, snake balloon. When you cast a spell, you gain half of X, and you draw half of X cards. Round down each time. Has flample, and it enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it. Jer. There's been a bit of a debate as to whether this card's good enough to see play, and if it is where it goes. I think it's reasonable in some, some big mana decks. Uh, I think the fact that it's a cast trigger is exactly what you're looking for on those decks. Yeah, once no, you start, ETB. Once you start just like entering the flunge your mana every turn phase of the game, you just this is exactly what you want. You want to get value no matter what, and counter spells are public enemy number one. Uh, and this is good against counter spells. So yeah, get it into your big mana decks. But you want to add anything, Ben? Oh, I think this. I I agree, I agree with that. I also think this card is like a slight upgrade, but I want to add the, like, to Genesis Hydra mm, for I like agree. a Lurin or Food Chain decks because this. I mean, this is this offers the same. If I'm going infinite with Food Chain, I just get to kill you. Uh, but playing I mean, you this, get to kill them with Genesis Hydra is just hard. Right. Well, what I mean is that like. Genesis Hydra gives you access to your entire deck when you're casting it. So does this card, but I mean, I've, I've cast a Genesis Hydra for, you know, the fair Genesis Hydra in this format before, and you know, it's fine, but I think a fair Hydroid Crisis is going to be uh, a nicer, just like a small little quality of life sure. upgrade. Alright, next up, we have a spicy card. Let's talk about Prime Speaker Xanifar. Four mana. For two, a green and a blue gets you a 2-4 legendary elf ooze <coughs> wizard. Uh, basically, hello to birthing blob. Tap, sack another creature. Search your library for a creature card with CMC 1 uh, equal to or 1 plus to sacrifice creature CMC. Then put that card onto the battlefield, shuffle your library, activate this ability only as a sorcery. Yes, Beej. Is it, is it Vanifar? V? With a V? What did I say? Xanifar. Oh, I meant to say it with a V. Yes, cool. Vanifar. That's a okay. Vanifar. Thank you, Beej. Ben, you have feelings. Tell me about this card. This card's great. I mean, it's Birthing Pod <laughs> on a creature, and we're not talking Yeeson the Wandering Bard here. Well, this is real deal Birthing Pod. Factual, factual. It's actually better. No, oh, yeah. no. Well, like, it's act activation is better. It yeah, it doesn't cost no you mana. No mana cost, no life. Well, so it lets I, you have do a, the... I have a question for uh, former and current council members. Mm -hmm. Is there any speculation that's getting pointed? Absolutely not. I doubt it. Why? It's, it's a creature. creature. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, good but talk. It, it is, I think it is worth commenting that I think that this card also opens up more experimentation with pod lists. Hmm. Um, one of the thing, like I've, I've played a bunch of pod, uh, a bunch of pod in the past couple of years. Jeremy's played pod in the past couple of years and it's currently playing it right now as well or in yep. that kind of area. And I think that uh, I've, I've definitely, I'm guilty of it as well is that when we're looking for pod lists, we get kind of stuck in our ways playing the good old fashioned kind of like. like we just message Pat, Pat. and we're like, yo, ship me. Yo, what's list. your current list, Pat? Right. Yeah, and you know. 
iPod. I, and both of both Jeremy and I have spread out to different style of pod builds to yeah. varying levels of success, but have both taken down events with these greedy jeeky builds or the hermit druid kind of builds, that kind of stuff. And I think it's anytime that deck gets a new card, and especially something as powerful as this, I think it's worth re uh, taking another look at the colors you're playing your pod chain yep. and just like how the tutors, the cards you're using to find this kind of stuff. How often are you um, going to pod into bl bl plob, whatever we want to call the shorthand? Almost never. Well, like this this you card, think, okay. you, you can play this card in, uh, so I was thinking, I had a shower thought about this card in Fate Stitcher and then like going infinite with Fate Stitcher. Uh, up to, like, you get up to Kiki-Jiki, Kiki-Jiki Fate Stitcher, and then you pod the final Kiki-Jiki into Great Oak Guardian, which is a six drop that untaps all your team, gives them plus two, plus two. And you're rubbing your head and you're saying, Ben, why won't you shut up about this? But Fate Stitcher happens to slide into Hermitruid. And I think that this kind of thing, people will laugh at this kind of thing, being like, why are, wh what are you talking about? This just sounds like you're making a deck worse. But this is how decks like Garbage Plate come to fruition. It's, it's a deck, like, li deck literally named Garbage. Well, I mean, yeah, but... <laughs> it's because it only looks like garbage. Hey, it's uh, a nice pile of garbage. Trash is All right, so garbage has a couple of trophies. In conclusion, Vanifar is amazing. I expect to see it in pod lists forever. I just want to get one last thing. The fact that this card is not pointed gives fair decks the effect of pod without needing to needlessly pay, pay points for it, which would be interesting to see how that goes as well. Very cool. All right, next up, Zagana, Utopian Speaker. Four Ooh. mana gets you a 4-4 four, four legendary merfolk wizard. Slide it right into your merfolk wizards now. When it enters the battlefield, if you control another card with a plus one plus one counter on it, draw a card. Adapt six, four, and a green and a blue gets you adapt four, sorry. Adapt four, but pay six, is, I should be more clear about. Um, and each creature you control a plus one plus one counter on it has trample, Jair. I actually like this card. Uh, it's not that hard to get creatures with plus one plus one counters. Uh, there's lots of good creatures that just happen to get plus one plus one counters. I think the plus one plus one counters deck is actually getting closer to being real. And this card is a super good rate. It's a four mana, four four, dodges most of the red <coughs> removal. And if you get up to six, it's an eight eight that gives a bunch of your other stuff trample and has trample. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, incubation, incongru incongruity, how do I pronounce that? Incongruity. Incongruity. Uh, and I believe this is our second last Simic card. So the incubation side is a single mana, uh, green-blue hybrid sorcery. Look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal a creature card from amongst them, put it into your hand, and put the rest in the bottom of the random order. Fine. Second side, Incongruity. Three mana instant for one, a green, and a blue. Exile target creature. That creature's controller gets a 3-3 three, three frog. Frog lizard. Frog lizard, pardon me. Ben. <clears throat> ben. Ben? Uh, I'm not super hot on this kind of card. Like, I have probably played more Pong of Fies than your average Magic player. Um, and... Three mana in, like, adding green to it is kind of iffy. Like, you don't have the... I'm struggling to find a green-blue deck that wants to play both... Uh, that wants to play a commune with nature. Yep. Or that wants to play the the exile 
expensive Pongify. Yeah. And like for split cards, the best, the nice thing about them is that you don't have to just judge one of the two sides. You can say like, well, you know, I might not play one of these, but if I put them together, it gives me enough flexibility to consider this. But I don't think these two sides really complement each other in the kind of decks that would want one or the other. Right on. Uh, and our last Simic card is Repudiate yep. and Replicate. Hey. Nailed it in one. <clears throat> First side, Repudiate. For two mana, green-blue hybrid, green-blue hybrid gets you an instant. Counter target activated ability or triggered ability. Kind of cool. And Replicate, three mana sorcery for one, a green, and a blue. Create a token that's a copy of target creature you control. Jer. I actually like this card. Yeah. I think getting, like, value stifles is is good. If there's anything we've learned about Disallow is that, like, and cards like Nimble Obstructionist that, like, having reasonable stifle effects that aren't necessarily restricted to only doing that is good. I'm not certain if the other side is good enough to make it playable, but I actually think these types of effects are under-explored in Highlander currently. I started out thinking this was pretty alright, and it's just kind of... I mean, it's nice to have another stifle with some flexibility, and being able to cast this off green-green is kind of hilarious. Oh, uh, wow, yeah. This might actually be in my top cards of the set. Hmm. Slowly but surely it creeped up there. What are you playing it in? Uh, I'm excited to try this in blue-green Sorensen Tempo. Um, other kind of blue-green blue X shells. I think you really want to get both sides of this. I mean, if you're I might try this in Flying Men just to really stack up on some of the Stifles. Stifles a great magic card. It's really hard to find. It's a hard magic card to use, but it's a great magic card. And I was just thinking about like these awkward turns of curving out, holding up this Stifle, and then just being able to cash it in, and saying like, "Yeah, I'm fine with this." So you, you know, it's kind of like Shadow of Doubt. Like I feel like a lot of people can hold on to these cards for too long. Yeah, or, you miss that window where it actually right, has an or, impact. Or not long enough, right? It's it's genuinely quite hard to nail that down. Yeah, there's but, some matchups where like that effect is just so important. You <coughs> want to hold on to it and forever, like against Storm or whatever. I, like, mm -hmm. Or when I'm on combo, I've had people like fire off stifles on fetch lands and I'm like, well, I was going to lose to that later. Good thing they would only got a fetch land. But like, just just playing, like, I mean, you can... This is the, the not dream scenario, but, like, if you go, like, a Delver or Death Rite on turn one, turn two, you hold up counter magic with your Repudiate, and then you're just like, well, I didn't get a chance to use this, but I need to apply additional pressure. Yeah. Untap, copy your creature. Yeah. Or even yeah. just, like... No, no, no. Only copy your own creature. You can't copy your opponent's creature. No, that's what... That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, so, just to be clear, though. Yeah. Just to be clear. So, when so we like, say your, yeah. who we're referring to. Uh, double, doubling up on your Tarmogoyf, if yep. you're like, well, I just need to start killing my Double opponent, scoos, it's whatever. great. It lets yeah. you dedicate another card to your deck that can, you can, I think you can realistically qualify this as an additional threat, but also have this extra stifle. Word. Yeah, I think this card's great. All right, let's move on to Azorius. First card is a reprint. We've got Absorb. Absorb is a counterspell. Uh, you pay one white, a blue, and a blue. Counter target spell, gain three life. It's basically counterspell and healing salve together. Control player Jer, your thoughts? It's great. If you're playing blue-white X control, get it in there. All right. Uh, <laughs> next up, we have the Deputy of Detention. Three mana, one three Vidalcan Wizard for one a white and a blue. When it enters the battlefield, exi exile target non-land permanent and control an opponent controls and all other non-land permanents that share a name until Deputy leaves the battlefield. 
Ben. Well, Serge, again, you actually played a blue-white, low-to-the-ground, creature-y, tempo-y deck for quite some time. I want to rebuild it. Do you think this card would get into that kind of shell? I do, because I'd give this a sword. I kind of want to rebuild the deck, and I want to put this in it. I personally wouldn't play this in something like Jeskai, or even the blue-white, like, mid-range deck. Uh, but that's a little higher on the curve than yeah. you were. Yeah. Um, so it's I, I wouldn't play this in like the Bant ETB Blink deck either. It doesn't have the the the, ability the, the, that, the cheaty thing, right? Um, <clears throat> and just like saw a deck looking for this kind of effect, just a one of like just play Palace Jailer, or yep. just play Council's Judgment. Yeah. Um, but I think this can have a really important tempo move, and if you've got a counterspell to back it up. Like, if you're playing this as well as any of the other low threats and four spikes and stifles and something, I think I think this could get you there. Yeah. Slap, slap a grafted war gear on this. Oh, baby. Town. Yeah, deputy's ready to rumble. All right, let's talk about another planeswalker. Or is this the spell? I'm not quite sure. Dovin, architect oh, of know. law. Oh, oh this, this is, is from the... <laughs> uh, this is Ben. All right. All right, Ben, we'll find out. All right, tell me... Read this card off and then tell me why you included it. So... This is technically from Ravnica Allegiance, though it's from the Planeswalker decks of Ravnica Allegiance. Okay, uh, Dovin, mana. Architect of Law, four, a white and a blue for a Planeswalker, Dovin. Uh, five, Loyalty. Plus one, you gain two life and draw a card. Minus one, you tap down a creature and it doesn't untap during its controller's untap step. Minus nine, tap all permanents target opponent controls, that player skips their next untap step. This card isn't the best Planeswalker <laughs> in the world. But, if you're looking for Planeswalker density in something like the Jeskai Super Friends decks, or the Esper Super Friends, Bant, whichever ones that also just jams every time walk available, mm -hmm. I would at least consider playing this card. In my opinion, it starts with enough loyalty. The first two abilities are some of the most real... Like, they're nothing flashy, but they're still a lot better than the ones that you've seen before on some Planeswalkers. And frankly, I think this card might actually be better than some Planeswalkers people already play today. Um, the minus nine is whatever. I, it's fine, but I don't really want to That's evaluate a Planeswalker on that. Sure. But, like, I do genuinely think that this card could see some play, and I will make it my own personal goal to try to and get take there? down an event right. with this card. Let's talk about the other Dovin, then. Dovin Grand Arbiter. Three mana Planeswalker, another one. For one, a white and a blue has three loyalty. <clears throat> Plus one, until end of turn, whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, put a loyalty on Dovin. Weird, but okay. Minus one, create a 1-1 one, one colorless Thopter artifact creature with flying. You also gain one life. Minus seven, look at the top ten cards of your library. Three into your hand and the rest on the bottom in a random order. Jer. Uh, I think this card is really powerful. Uh, it's a three mana planeswalker. Uh, it has an ability that impacts the board uh, all the time, which I like. Uh, it potentially gets a lot of loyalty with one uptick, which is kind of exciting. And its ultimate is like turbo dig through time. And dig through time is often good enough to win games by itself, and this is better than that. So. I just, I just want to say, of course, Dovin Architect of Law looks bad if you have this following yes, it up. This is just a better and all the abilities are better. <laughs> all right. So, but different cards. This card's great to have access to. This like weird kind of. You could just play this and tick it down three times in a control deck. You sure could. And you're like, great, I just played uh, this really good Spectral Procession that gained me three life. Yep. And the, the uptick is great, and the 
ultimate is uh, kind of busted. You're probably winning the game if you get to do that. Yeah, ancestral with ten card selection. Like, get, holy moly! And you get to do it a lot quicker than I think a lot of yeah. people are going to see. Yeah, it's potentially the turn third, after you cast it. Yeah, potentially the turn after, like at least the third turn, I'd guess. Also, just artifact synergies. Yep. Like, yeah, this makes artifacts and sure pairs with other artifacts. Yep. And is white and blue. Maybe you know. Mem so yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I will probably play with this. I have some new decks I have to brew, get brewing. <sighs> Let's move on to Dovin's Acuity. Three mana enchantment. This is uh, information campaign instead of disinformation campaign. Jera's making a face. Three mana enchantment for one, a white, and a blue. When it enters the battlefield, gain two life and draw a card. Whenever you cast an instant during your main phase, return it to its owner's hand. Jer. <laughs> Me? <laughs> you don't like this. No. And well, this is embarrassing. I thought you put this on the list, search, but it turns out it was no, me. That, that, yeah, that, I was that pretty sure it was there. you. Oh, I'm familiar now. It's all coming. <laughs> it's all flooding back. So I actually don't think this is that bad. But now, now that, I that I've thought I put of, it on the list, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so okay. The ability that it provides is a little clunky, <laughs> but it's fine. Clunky. I just think I think this card. Okay, you know what? Yeah, you're right. This card's going to be a bit too clunky than I initially <laughs> thought, and it's an important lesson to be able to admit right, when yeah. you're wrong. Because there are several instants that a lot of people should probably just be playing during their main phase. Brainstorm, Swords to Plowshares. Ancestral Recall. Impulse, Ancestral Recall. So you will, if you so choose to play this card, uh, chances are you'll be getting multiple uses out of this card. Which is why I thought that, you know, maybe this gets a shot. Maybe you played an Enchantress as it's well. It's like a set of training wheels. You put it in your deck until you're good enough at casting your see, instance in your see, main phase. See, now I've got Surge on my side here. What Think instance about, are you playing an oh, Enchantress? Crop Rotation. Oh. Eladamri's Call. Oh. Argivian Find. I don't know that one, but okay. It lets you trigger off your Enchantresses multiple times, Surge. Because you play it, you oh, draw, in, and you draw. Enlightened Tutor. <laughs> Enlightened Tutor on your main phase to get this back to play it to draw so the card we're, you enlightened. We're on four color, for. no red here. Okay. Yeah. But it is good with Enlightened Tutor because in response to the ability, you can Enlightened Tutor and then draw the card you Enlightened Tutor and it returns. Gets back. All right. See, there's something okay, there's here. a home for it somewhere. <laughs> Let, let's move on though. Emergency powers. <laughs> Seven mana instant for five, a white, and a blue. Each player shuffles their hand and graveyard into a library and then draws seven cards. Exile emergency powers. However, addendum, if you cast this during your main phase, you may put a permanent with CMC seven or less from your hand and onto the battlefield. Should I just throw this one to Ben? Yes. Okay. Well, you put this on the list and you are surrounded by two people that play more draw sevens than most people. Yes. I'd argue anyone. And draw, <laughs> draw I, sevens. I've cast my fair share of draw sevens. This is like the team draw so, seven. So thing. then you're familiar with when draw sevens go bad, especially if an opponent holds up mana because you as a combo player held up seven mana and didn't do anything. So they're assuming, well, I got to turn off, so I'm just going to, they're top decking, I'm just going to answer whatever they do next. This card is too expensive. The white mana is... Awkward. A, yeah, it's awkward, to say the least. Uh, and then putting a permanent doesn't do much. I've had plenty... The only thing I can think of is if you get to cast um, um, Paradox Engine for free. That's, I've had, that's the, Magical I've, Christmas I've had Land. a lot of people say that's that. That's Magical yeah, Christmas Land, yeah. and that, that's not enough of a reason to cast this card. Exactly. Yeah, I'll try it out, but I mean, some of that 
me trying out a card yeah. is no, <laughs> doesn't really give anything. You heard it right here, folks. Ben Wheeler endorses this card. 100% guarantee if you don't like this card in your Highlander deck, Ben will buy it off you. 2019, Dovin Architect of Law, Emergency Powers. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Lavinia, Azorius Renegade. Two mana, two, two. Gets you a legendary human soldier. Each opponent cast ca cannot cast non-creature spells with converted mana cost greater than the number of lands that player controls. Whenever an opponent casts a spell, if no mana was cast to spent to cast it, counter that spell. I'm putting this in the Azorius Lord of the Ground deck I'm playing. Yeah, I'm not as... I, I think this card's fine. People give this card way too much credit. They're like, oh, it's going to counter all these different things. Yeah. And it's like, nah, I mean, it might stop one deck, but I would... If you came to me and be like, hey, Ben, I cut this card from my deck, I'd be like, yep, okay, great. Or if you... <laughs> I think it's actively good against Storm and almost no other combo decks. Which, time and time again, I think you'll find us telling people to not just sleeve up one card for one deck. Yes. I mean, this is an extract. It hoses it's, Mox Well, in. it's a bear. Yeah, that... <clears throat> Who's holding Mox until turn three? <laughs> I've, I've done it sometimes. The Storm deck? It happens more than you'd think. But... It's it's at least a bear. So this yep. makes it more justifiable than like sadistic sacrament yep. or extract or yep. whatever. All right, let's move on to Dispose, Deploy. Depose. I got a typo on there. Depose, Deploy. Depose is a two-mana instant for one in Azorius. Tap target creature, draw a card. Deploy, four-mana instant, two and a white and a blue. Create two one-on-one colorless thopter tokens and gain one life for each creature you control. Jair. Card maybe sees play because ice is really good. I don't know. Alex put this on the list. Alex is currently sick. I feel as though Let's put even if he were here, Alex, yeah. he would. the The reaction to this card is what he's doing at home right now. <coughs> <coughs> this card doesn't do much. It's yeah. it's just so underwhelming to me. Both sides of it. Like ice is great, but sure. like it deploys no fire. No, it's not fire. Put that on a t-shirt. It's to like ice and fire. ice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ice, ice, baby. Like, All right, yeah, I'm, I'm not sold on this card. All right, let's talk about our last gold card on our set review today. The Warrant Warden. Instant Warren. Uh, <laughs> I like split the difference between you there. Warrant is a two-mana instant for Azorius Azorius hybrid. Put target attacking or blocking creature on top of its owner's library. Pretty good. Warden, five mana sorcery for three, a white, and a blue. Create a create a Sarah Angel. Sarah Sphinx. Sarah Sphinx, whatever. Ben, take us home. I think this card's quite good. Yeah. Um, both abilities are like the, having your removal spell, which is totally fine, and in a format with a bunch of fetch lands, can cause for some uh, awkward scenarios for your opponent. Um, but just like being able to cut out their next draw with Warrant is fine. Azorius Charm has seen play. Yep. One of the upsides of, of Azorius Charm is that it has other modes. Um, and instead of being able to cash in your removal spell that might be dead for a card, you're able to turn this into a Sarah Angel. Possible now, con, yeah. Yeah, like Sarah Angel, I mean, I shouldn't say Sarah Angel isn't winning any games because there was that one evening with Big White <laughs> and literal Sarah Angel, and I may have killed a counselor, but that's a different story for a different time. Um, but Warden, I mean, it's, it will come up where you will be able to make a creature and your opponent will be like, well, I'm going to lose to this 4-4 flyer. I've won a surprising number of games with hard cast and treat the angels for one, which yeah. is exactly what this yeah. is. So, like, 
Well, this is not. better. better. Vigilance. Yeah. yeah. Although this does happen. die to pyroblast. Sure. All right. Let us move on to an <laughs> artifact, probably the only artifact we want to talk about today. Glass <clears throat> of the Guild Pact. Two mana artifact. Multicolored creatures you control get plus one, plus one. Is there a deck for this? No. Maybe in like two years. <laughs> yeah, this not is not enough not gold yet. cards right it's, now. It's a card that gets better every single I've, set. I've played it. I've played five color zoo with like 90% of the deck is uh, spells in the deck are multicolored creatures and I wouldn't play it in that deck. I think you need like multicolored go wide deck. Well, it's you interesting because like, like multicolored tokens. White Weenie go wide plays all the anthems. It plays Crusade, which even buffs the other side. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know. It's worth having the conversation. If a monocolored go wide deck will play anthems, can a. Is there a gold deck that wants this? The well, problem is like you don't have like tokens or one drops that are multicolored really all right yeah the the white weenie so decks that still wide. are casting crusade and honor of the pure um they are able to like they're hyper aggressive yeah they are able they're playing like isamarus and whatnot mm -hmm. and they are pooping out, tail hawks yeah oh, and they're <laughs> pooping out one one tokens a bunch and those tokens all benefit from the anthems and like jared said the tokens don't benefit from this anthem and your one drop stone like, aside from, what, figure of destiny? There there are ten multicolored... There's, like, nine playable... Nine air quotes. Your death rate shaman's a two-three! Look, I'm trying to make a blister coil weird joke here, right. and it's not working out. Much like this card wouldn't work out in most Highlander decks. Well, let's move on to the last cards that we want to talk about today. The new dual lands. Uh, for example, Godless Shrine. They new, are... New old. The reprinted of the original Ravnica dual lands. Just in case people aren't familiar, the five are back. An example, God of the Shrine, is both the Plains and a Swamp. It enters play tapped, or you can pay two life and have it untapped. Your thoughts, friends? They're great. Play every them. deck. Every deck. <clears throat> yeah. Except for monocolored decks. But even then, maybe. Yeah. If you're splashing. <laughs> yeah. A little something-something on the yeah. side. So, yeah, friends, that's going to be part two of our set review. Uh, let us move now to our closing segment, Powerful Magic. And up to date, it's me. Uh, and I want to tell a powerful magic story that happened uh, not too long ago while I was down at PAX South. Uh, I was playing against a fan and viewer who has the username Vezin. And it started off bad. It started off really bad because you know what they decided to play against me? What? Blue Moon. Oh. A deck that I can't beat. I thought you loved that deck, Serge. Nope. I want to throw it into the sea. <laughs> and you know what spell they resolved against me? Blood Moon? No, Madcap Experiments. Oh. You love that card, Surge. I sure do. Four mana sorcery. Put Platinum Imperium into play. And you know what it did? They put Platinum Imperium into play. But this time, this time I was playing something a little bit different. And I had a little card that Ben knows and loves. Knight of Autumn in play. You know what I did? What did you do? Restoration I, Angel. No, I ca No, sorry, in hand, not in play. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I cast Knight of Autumn and I killed that Platinum Imperium. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You don't understand the significance of this. I'm free. <laughs> the curse has been broken. I finally beat Blue Moon. This is the greatest moment in Magic history. I'm proud of you. Thank I'm, you. I really am. Proud. All it took was changing what deck I played. <laughs> it made me really to happy. To defeat my demons, I just had to change well, I had to everything. Give up. I had to yeah, give, give up. up. But I, but we got there. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the greatest moment of my magic play in history. Thanks, Vezin. It was a really fun game. 
honestly. Uh, so yeah, reminder that next Saturday uh, on February second, we're going to be playing the we're going Loading Ready Run is going to be hosting the local Victoria Highlander Year End Tournament. Uh, expect a whole day of powerful magic and commentary from the two of us and Alex, who's not here, but not Ben because he was actually good enough to qualify. But with Ben. Just a different one. I mean, hopefully. Right, right, right. And uh, <clears throat> our fourth host is going to be our good boy, Ben Ulmer, is going to be joining us. So look forward to our favorite plaid boy joining us for some high-energy commentary from the commentary booth. Yeah, um, that's about it today. Thank you so much for hanging out. Thank you for the commentary and the feedback from episode one in the set review. If there's anything you think we missed, let us know down below in the comments. Reminder that North 100 is brought to you by you with your support over at the Patreon at patreon.com slash run. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week with our hype for the tournament year-end review, and we'll see you then. Thanks. <laughs>